Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew preaches a special Palm Sunday message entitled, Welcome Your King Jesus, preached April 9, 2017. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Luke chapter 19, beginning with verse 28. The title is, Welcome Your King Jesus. Friends, those who are outside of Jesus Christ, I have good news for you. Repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, whom I am presenting to you, and you'll be saved. And those who have trusted in him rejoice. Your king is coming to you to help us. If you watch television, you probably have heard the so-called talking heads. They ask, what is your take on this or how do you feel about that? What do you think these people mean by those questions? They are saying that to them truth is subjective. Whatever you cook up in your head. This type of speech demonstrates the sad fact that many people today do not believe there is any absolute objective truth. As Christians, we do not agree with the talking heads. We believe in our God who is truth, absolute truth, and in his word, which is absolute objective truth. Therefore, when I preach as a minister of the gospel, please don't say, that is just Pastor Matthew's take on it. God speaks the truth to us from his holy word. And we need to take it as absolute truth. This sermon is titled, Welcome Your King Jesus. Why do you think I chose that title? Because St. John tells us in John 1, That Jesus Christ came to his own, but his own did not welcome him. In fact, the vast majority of people in the world have rejected him, not welcomed the Lord Jesus Christ, the sovereign creator and ruler of the universe. Friends, God visits his people. The first thing we notice in this passage, Luke 19, is that in the person of Jesus Christ, God came to visit his people. When God comes to visit us, who are miserable, sinful, guilt-ridden, lost, sick, confused, dying, and dead people. It is time for great joy. Long ago, Joseph told his 
Brothers, just before his death, I am about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land he promised on oath to Abraham. After hundreds of years, God came in the burning bush and spoke to Moses. What was the purpose of this visitation of God? The Lord came to bring the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery, into a land flowing with milk and honey. Friends, I am going to speak about the greater visitation. The visitation of God in the burning bush pointed to the greater visitation of God in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, God came to deliver his people from the greater burden and greater affliction of sin. Satan, death, and hell. This purpose is clearly stated in Matthew chapter 1 verse 21 where we read, You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Friends, in the fullness of time, God's Son became flesh. In the person of Jesus Christ, God was once again visiting his people, not to condemn them, but to be gracious to them. God in Jesus Christ came to die for us. Jesus was fully aware of the saving purpose of his coming and he revealed it many times to his disciples. So we read in Matthew 20 verse 28, the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Satan tempted Jesus not to go to the cross. And in Matthew 16, we read how Peter also tried to persuade him not to choose the path of suffering. But Jesus refused to disobey his father. At age 33, he set his face like flint and began to travel toward Jerusalem to fulfill God's eternal plan for him by dying on the cross. In our text, Luke 19, we see him approaching the city with the crowds of pilgrims from Galilee who were coming to celebrate the Passover festival in Jerusalem. I am speaking about the perfect Lamb of God. Each year hundreds of thousands of people gathered in Jerusalem from all over the world to celebrate the festival of Passover. During this time a quarter of a million lambs were slaughtered as part of the festival. 
But at this Passover celebration, the most perfect lamb in Jerusalem was not an animal. God himself was visiting in the person of Jesus Christ, the perfect man in whom there was no sin. Who became the Passover lamb for us. Not only is Jesus the victim without sin, the perfect lamb of God, but he is also the priest without sin. Jesus Christ alone is very God and very man, the prophet, the great high priest, and the king of kings. He alone is the Messiah. And now the time had come to reveal that fact to the world. Up to this point, Jesus had revealed his identity as the Messiah only to a few people, such as the sinful Samaritan woman. Each time he told these people not to publicize the fact that he was the Messiah. But now the time for Jesus had come. He had often told his disciples, my time has not yet come. But now at the end of his life, he was saying, my time has come. Meaning the time of his saving death has come. This then was the time for publicity Jesus wanted everyone to know that he is the Messiah. So he entered the city of Jerusalem as the Messiah of God's people. So let us look at the entrance of this king to Jerusalem. How did Jesus make his entrance? First, he came into Jerusalem riding on a young colt. A young donkey, which had never been ridden before. We could call this donkey Christopher, bearer of Christ. That's the way we ought to be, bearer of Christ. The thousands of pilgrims were excited when they saw Jesus coming. Finally, in Jesus of Nazareth, They had a Messiah, they thought. So they had thrown their outer garments upon Christopher and seated Jesus on him. Then they also spread their colorful outer garments on the road and began to praise Jesus as king as he rode past. They were giving him the same kind of royal treatment that Jehu, the king of Israel, received centuries past. Jesus is king. Jesus is the Messiah. They cried as he passed them. Did Jesus make any attempt to restrain the crowd? From giving him such royal treatment. No. 
He made no effort to keep them from crying out, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David. Why do you think he did nothing? Because the crowd was telling the truth. They were declaring that their Messiah had finally come. And that Messiah was Jesus of Nazareth. When the Pharisees heard what the crowd was saying, they demanded that Jesus stop these people from praising him. Perhaps they said something like this, Jesus, you know that you are not the Messiah. You are just a man named Jesus from Nazareth. We know you are a sinner, that you are poor, that you are uneducated. In fact, we say you are a Samaritan, a glutton, a drunkard, and a demon-possessed person. We know that you even perform miracles, but we think that you do so by the agency of demons, not by God. These ignorant people are calling you Messiah, and you must stop them from doing so. Friends, Jesus refused to obey these Pharisees. He told them that if the people did not praise him, the very stones would begin to cry out. Even the little children in the crowd joined in waving palm fronds in celebration of Jesus. Hosanna, son of David, king of Israel. They shouted. What were these children doing? The word Hosanna means save us. It is a prayer to God taken from Psalm 118. In other words, these children were praying, Jesus, save us. We are in trouble. Save us. These children were fulfilling the prophecy found in Psalm 8 and verse 2. From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Jesus is hated and rejected by those who are sophisticated, educated, rich, famous, powerful, and mighty. Yet as we see here, God perfects praise for his son from the lips of children and infants. Friends, observe, Jesus fulfills scriptures. Why do you think Jesus chose to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey in such a public manner and accept such a royal treatment and acclamation because he was deliberately provoking the leaders of Israel. He wanted to prod his enemies into doing what they had planned all along to do. And he wanted them to do it quickly. 
during this Passover festival. What was the plan of the leaders to kill Jesus? A few weeks earlier, Jesus had raised the dead Lazarus from the tomb. At that time, the high priest Caiaphas told the Sanhedrin, You don't realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than the whole nation perish. And in John eleven fifty three, we read, From that day on, they plotted to take his life. These leaders wanted Jesus to die a substitutionary death. Jesus came to do the will of the Father as revealed in the Holy Scriptures. And he knew God's will included his death on the cross. Psalm 40 verse 7 and 8 tell us, Here I am, I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will. Oh my God, your law is within my heart. Jesus had read the Psalms, the prophets, and the writings of Moses. He had read Daniel 9, which speaks about the exact time of the Messiah's death. And he knew that now that time had come. Jesus had also read the prophecy of Zechariah which spoke about him riding into Jerusalem on a donkey before dying there. He had read Isaiah 53 and knew that his death would be a substitutionary death, meaning that he would die for the sins of his people. Jesus also knew that he was the eternal God in human flesh, And thus he was able to declare to the Pharisees, Before Abraham was, I am. What then was Jesus doing riding into Jerusalem on an unbroken colt? He was doing the will of his father by fulfilling the scriptures, specifically Zechariah 9 verse 9 which says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Friends, what can we learn from this picture of Jesus? We learn that he was a student of scripture and lived his whole life for the sole purpose of fulfilling it. Shouldn't this give us a pattern for our lives as well? Why don't we become people of the book? People of one book. And listen to what God has spoken so that we know the will of God and do it. God's word is absolute truth. And we must study the Bible so that we can put the will of God into practice. Jesus did not come to do his own will, but to do the will of the Father. 
We are told throughout the New Testament that he always did what was pleasing to his father. Thus Jesus made this royal triumphal entry into Jerusalem in fulfillment of God's will as disclosed by Zechariah the prophet centuries before. But let me tell you many people had had a false understanding of the Messiah. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he the king who comes in the name of the Lord. The pilgrims cried out. And as we said before what they were saying was absolutely true. Jesus is the king of Israel. He is the son of David. But the pilgrims expectations of Jesus were not totally true. There was a mass misunderstanding about what the Messiah was coming to do. Most in this crowd, even the disciples of Jesus misunderstood the real purpose of his royal entrance. Even though Jesus had disclosed that purpose several times to them. But the apostles as well as others only believed what they wanted to believe. And so they had a very wrong picture of Jesus as Messiah. Friends, don't misunderstand Jesus Christ. He comes to give you eternal life. Not to make you rich and famous and give you long life. Luke 19.37 tells us that the pilgrims were very aware of the miracles Jesus had performed. Especially the miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead. I am sure they were thinking. Finally we have a Messiah who has supernatural powers. After all, as in he fed the multitudes, healed the sick, cleansed the lepers and raised dead people. We can wait to see what this Messiah will do for us politically and economically. I am sure Judas Iscariot was among those who cried out. What do you think Judas was expecting from Jesus? Judas was a greedy man. So no doubt he was reasoning that the time had finally come when he could make a lot of money based on his association with this Messiah. Time, he says, has come to cash it in. Peter also was crying out, Hosanna, son of David, king of Israel. What do you think Peter was looking for? Peter was probably expecting that he would be named the Messiah's chief spokesman. He was looking for power. What about James and John? I'm sure they were also crying out as Jesus entered Jerusalem. They were hoping to be seated on the left and on the right of this great Messiah, Jesus Christ. Friends, 
There was a great misunderstanding of the intention and purpose of this king who came riding on a donkey into Jerusalem. Even in today's evangelical world, there exists great misunderstanding about Christianity and salvation in Jesus Christ. Many modern evangelicals are looking only for a political and economic messiah. They are not interested in the greater freedom Jesus Christ gives to his people. They are quite happy and satisfied as long as the stock market is up and their wallets are overflowing with money. In fact, many people will believe in Jesus Christ but only as long as they experience certain freedoms, especially the freedom of wealth and health. That is what I call mass misunderstanding. This one riding on a donkey, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of Israel, the Messiah, was coming into the city to secure a different kind of freedom for us. His purpose was to bring us freedom from sin, from death, from Satan, and from hell. Do you find yourself to be weak when you face temptation? Don't you realize that Jesus came to save us from sin? May God help us to receive this greater freedom that only Jesus Christ can give you. Listen, he is weeping over Jerusalem. As Jesus came up the Mount of Olives and saw the city of Jerusalem looming before his eyes, he began to weep. Luke tells us why this great Messiah weeping. Because the nation of Israel had failed to understand the significance of his visitation. Jesus came riding on a donkey, not a war horse. He was not coming as a political messiah to wage war against Rome. In fact, Jesus told Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. Jesus came to wage war against a greater enemy, Satan, sin and death. And to bring us peace with God through his own sacrifice. He was entering Jerusalem at this auspicious moment as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In Luke 19.41, we read that Jesus wept over the city of Jerusalem and said, If you, even you, had known on this day what would bring you peace, the things that would save you, the things that would secure you complete forgiveness of your sins. If only you knew, Jesus was saying, what is written in Isaiah 53, Daniel 9, Zechariah 9, Psalm 22, and so on. If only you knew that I am the Messiah. The one who will suffer for your salvation. 
If only you knew that my name is Jesus, which comes from the Hebrew word Yasha, meaning to save. If only you knew that I am Jesus, your Savior. At this point, I must ask you, do you understand the heart of the gospel? If not, maybe Jesus is also weeping over you as he wept over the city of Jerusalem. Friends, Jesus saves some, not all. The death of Jesus had finally come. He entered triumphantly into the city at the exact time of God's appointment, not to defeat the Romans, but to defeat death and the devil once for all by his own death. This was the most significant time in the history of the people of Israel, but they failed to recognize it. In John 1, we read that Jesus came to his own, but his own did not receive him. But we must also realize one thing. Jesus did not come to save the entire nation of Israel. As Zechariah prophesied, Jesus came to save only the daughter of Zion, the remnant, the elect of God. If you will not trust in Jesus Christ, the truth is, you are not the elect of God. Daughter of Zion, what do you think that means? It means that Jesus came to save only the elect of God. He came to save only those whom God has chosen to save and given to Christ to save them from before the foundation of the world. In John 1, we read, that although the nation of Israel as a whole rejected Jesus, to those who do receive him and believe on his name, he gives the right to become children of God. We see this clearly demonstrated in Acts 2. On the day of Pentecost, those in the crowd who were convicted by the Holy Spirit cried out to Peter, saying, what must we do? To be saved. In other words, they were telling Peter, Peter, we now realize that we murdered our Messiah. We acknowledge that we have committed the greatest crime possible. Crucifying the Lord of glory, God himself. Is there any hope for us? What was Peter's answer? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, Zechariah tells us. Jesus didn't come to save everyone, but he did come to save all whom the Father has chosen. And in Acts 2 verse 41 we read that 3,000 people in one day confessed Jesus Christ and we're saved. 
Have you confessed Jesus Christ? Are you a fake Christian? The proof of salvation is your obedience to Jesus Christ. Some do not obey Jesus Christ. They want the Jesus who will obey them. Zechariah's prophecy. 550 years earlier, Zechariah prophesied what Jesus was fulfilling at this moment. Long before it came to pass, Zechariah saw the visitation of God in Jesus of Nazareth to save his people who were frightened and living in misery and shame. What does this teach us that God loves his people throughout the ages and in his time according to his word he will visit them deliver them and save them Galatians 4 4 tells us that in the fullness of time God sent his son born of a woman born to obey all his law and born to procure salvation for his people Zechariah saw this prophetically and saw Zechariah 9 announced this good news, this gospel to his people. In Zechariah 9 verse 9 we read, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Zechariah was saying, in other words, Fear not, O daughter of Zion, your days of fear and misery are over. This is certainly a message for us also, is it not? What else did Zechariah say? Rejoice? No. Rejoice greatly. In other words, daughter of Zion, God's elect, beloved of the Lord, rejoice greatly. Shout at the top of your lungs. O daughter of Zion, why the day of your salvation is dawning is already here. Right now, sir. Then the prophet said, see, meaning lift up your eyes, behold, see. The prophet could see something and he wanted the daughter of Zion to look at it as well. Just as Moses told those who were bitten by serpents because of their sin, they heard this from Moses. Look and live. We must also lift up our eyes and look. This is the look of faith. Look to me and be saved all the ends of the earth. God says through the prophet Isaiah, That is what Zechariah is saying. Look, your king is coming. At this point, let me ask you, are you miserable? Are you frightened? Are you fearful? Are you guilt-ridden? Let me tell you, the days of your troubles are over. Whom are you to behold? The so-called gurus of the world, the philosophers of the world, the talking heads of the world, the politicians of the world, the fake preachers of the world. Fake preachers. Oh no, they can do nothing than take your money. Behold your king. See 
him. The Lord Jesus Christ. He was delivered over to death for our sins. And was raised for our justification. Friend. Do you know Jesus Christ as your king? Have you trusted in him by faith? If you have done that. Then rejoice. He is your king. Who has received all authority in heaven and on earth. Then you can say with David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall lack nothing. Behold your king. Zechariah was saying. This is the visitation of God. To the sick. To the troubled. To the frightened. To the dying. And the miserable of the world. God was visiting his people. As he visited them in the burning bush long ago. Just as God came to deliver his people from Egypt. He has now come to those who are captive to sin and guilt. By nature we cannot go to him because we are far from him. We are in hell and he came to our hell to take us to heaven. Far from him filled with guilt. But he has come to us in Jesus. This is the visitation of God. Jesus Christ has come to us. He is the physician who comes to the dying patient. He is the one who comes to the dead. Just as he came to the tomb of Lazarus. To raise him up. What could Lazarus do to save himself? Nothing, nothing, nothing. But someone did come to him. And that one is the resurrection and the life. God sent his son to visit us. To give us eternal life. What else did Zechariah say about this king? He is righteous. Jesus Christ alone is righteous. And he alone is characterized by justice. This perfect lamb of God alone is without sin. And as we read in 2 Corinthians 5.21. This one who knew no sin. Became sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. What was Zechariah's message? Daughter of Zion. You who are guilt-ridden, miserable, wretched, fearful, and anxious, rejoice greatly. Shout! Behold, your righteous king comes. The eternal son of God is making a personal visit to you because he loves you personally. He is coming to see you, to visit you. And he is coming not to condemn you, but to be gracious to you. This is truly the miracle of miracles that the king of kings will come on a donkey in peace. He is coming to make you righteous in him. Therefore, Zechariah is saying, do not fear, but behold. As we read in Psalm 34, 5, the faces of those who look to him will become radiant. 
Finally, Zechariah said, This king comes to you having salvation. We must realize the great truth that Jesus Christ alone possesses salvation. And only Jesus Christ can save us. Your money cannot save you. Your education cannot save you. What is the most serious need of every human being? Salvation, salvation, sir. From the wrath of God. But can anyone save another person or even himself? No. No other human being can save you. And you cannot save yourself. Only this King, the Lord Jesus Christ, can save. And he comes to do just that. Do you remember Simeon? He was about to die, but he came to the temple one day, saw the baby Jesus and took him into his arms. As he worshipped God, what did he pray? O sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. Let me die in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the light of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory of your people Israel. Simon recognized that salvation was found in this child, Jesus of Nazareth, and he, Simon, believed in him. Friends, Let me ask you, have you welcomed the King? The Lord Jesus Christ came triumphantly into Jerusalem 2,000 years ago and he is still coming to his people even today. Are you burdened with problems? Don't worry. The greatest problem solver in the entire universe is coming to you. Do you say you are unrighteous? No problem. He is righteous and you can become righteous in him. Do you say you need to be saved from hell and death and misery and guilt and punishment? Let me assure you, Jesus Christ is coming to you with salvation from all those things and more. Only this king possesses what we really need which is salvation. In Acts 4 verse 12, we read, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Jesus Christ alone can forgive sins, give us eternal life, give us his righteousness. We cannot save ourselves because we are dead in our sins. But Jesus Christ can give us eternal life. He is the living bread and the living water and our Savior, our Shepherd, our King. What about you? Have you welcomed this King? Ask God and Lord and Savior and King. Let me ask you a few questions. Are you fearful? Are you frightened? Are you dying? And you are going to die, sir, in due time. Even today, 
Are you anxious? Are you lonely? Are you full of guilt? Are you confused? If these things are true of you, then I encourage you to look to Jesus. Remember how Zechariah declared, your king is coming to you. What about your unrighteousness? It is a serious problem, but he is righteous. What about your total emptiness? Jesus Christ possesses salvation for you. You must realize that today is the day of your salvation. Jesus is coming today to give us peace and to be gracious to us, not to condemn us or punish us or send us to hell, though we merit all these. In these days, he is coming, still coming to save us. These are still the days of God's mercy. Remember how Jesus wept over Jerusalem and said, If only you, even you, had known on this day what would bring you peace. This is the day of God's visitation to you. And he is speaking to you through me, sir. In Second Corinthians 6 verse 2 says, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. God is speaking to us today. Will you not look unto him and be saved? The king is coming to you personally. As he came seeking the legion demon man and saved him. Will you not call out as blind Bartimaeus did? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Oh, the crowd told Bartimaeus to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. When the son of God heard his cry, he stopped. Then the crowd said, cheer up. He's calling for you. This echoes Zechariah's words. To us, rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Your king is coming, righteous and possessing salvation for you. Bartimaeus was saved that moment, and we read that he praised the Lord and followed him. Friends, this same Lord is coming to you and calling for you. In Revelation 3.20 we read, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. Never say that no one cares for you or that everyone has forgotten you. That may be true among the people you know, but there is one who knows you and the depth of your need is coming to you. He is the one who has come. Possessing salvation and saying, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. The idea here is that we have nothing, but Jesus has everything. If we open the door, we will eat with him and partake of his salvation and listen, sir. And 
He even enables us to open our hearts to Jesus as he opened the heart of Lydia in Acts 16 verse 14. Friends, this is the day of God's mercy. Finally, we must realize that Jesus still comes riding on a donkey, meaning he is still coming to us in peace. We are living in the time between the first and second coming of Christ. And this is the time of salvation, peace, and mercy. At this time, Jesus is still meek. He is still saying to us, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. But one day he will come on a horse. Not on a donkey. So we read in Revelation 19, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written, On him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe deep in blood. And his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him. Riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword. With which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter he treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God almighty on his robe and on his thigh he has this name written king of kings and lord of lords friends humble yourself Jesus is coming now meek and riding on a donkey as one who grants us peace But when he comes again, he will come to judge those who fail to receive him, to welcome him, to bow down to him, to believe in him. At that time, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess Jesus Christ is Lord. But it will be too late to make peace with him at that time. As we read this morning, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction. And shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people. And to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you because you believe our testimony to you. Matthew 25, when the Son of Man comes in his glory... And all the angels with him, he will sit 
on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Therefore, as the writer to the Hebrews says, Friends, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. If you have never trusted in Jesus Christ, if you have never heard his voice, would you welcome him today? as your King, as your Lord, as your Savior. Would you cry out to him, Hosanna, son of David, save me. He alone is the one who can give hope to the hopeless and light to those who are sitting in darkness. He alone can raise the dead. Would you receive him? Would you open the door that he may come in with salvation and that you may eat and drink with him? Would you cry out, what must I do to be saved? And the answer is repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, every one of you. Heavenly Father, I have delivered your word Moses heard God speaking and they have heard your word O Lord help your people who received Jesus as king and savior help them to rejoice greatly and also I pray grand repentance to those who are outside of Christ save them O Lord today In Jesus' name, amen. Grace Valley Christian Center is committed to the unchanging truth of the Holy Scriptures. We have been proclaiming the whole counsel of God since 1974 through our weekly worship services, our website resources, and our publishing ministry. For more information about our church, to find more edifying sermons, or to order books by the Rev. P.G. Matthew, please visit our website at gracevalley.org.